Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Mark. There you go. Your seat's up here, buddy. Going the wrong way. It's, it's, all right, man. Good morning, guys. Welcome uh, to everybody here in person and everybody online. I thought about running down the aisle, maybe some smoke machines, tearing through a banner. It wasn't, it wasn't in the budget, so you just get me walking up here casually. So, um, My name is Dylan Adams. I'm a deacon in training here and the youth leader here at Pierce Point Community Church. It is an honor to be able to speak to you. Um, I, I would say it gets easier every time I come up here, but it really doesn't. Um, I feel like I'm going to puke every time. <laughs> um, but every time the Lord does something great, so that's what I'm, that's what I'm praying for here. Um, my message today is kind of continuation of Jacob's message last week. We're going to be talking about faith, specifically faith that moves mountains. Um, it's going to be a little different, so just buckle up. <laughs> okay, so we're going to start with John 3.16. I know you guys all know John 3.16, but we're going to read it anyway. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, the word believe here is translated as faith in many different scriptures. Matter of fact, if you look at the Greek, they're, they're this, it's the same Greek word when it's translated in faith and believe. So you could, you could talk that out and say that, that whoever has faith in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Um, now, I know that's a very little piece of information about faith, but I thought what a, what a better way to get into a conversation about faith than to read Hebrews 11 and these people, these heroes of the faith and, and what they accomplished by it. So bear with me. There's a lot, but I couldn't, I couldn't in good faith um, cut, it, cut any of that out because it's, it's so good. So bear with me. This is Hebrews 11. There will not be any scriptures on the screen. Um, I kind of put this together relatively last minute, so um, I'm going to ask you to use your Bibles. Sorry, I know Jacob made you do it last week. I'm going to make you do it this week. Nathan will be back eventually. There'll, there'll be things on the screen again, but just bear with us. I know it's, it's, it's difficult, especially because most of us are using our phones anyway. <laughs> All right, so we start out with what the author of Hebrews gives us as a definition for faith. He's, Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained, gained approval. Let's talk about the men, meaning people of old, because not all the people listed here are men. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up, for he, for he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. Listen to this. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Remember that. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reference, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness 
which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed, obeyed by going out to a place which he, which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, Abraham lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, there was born even, a, even of one man, and him as good as dead of that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number, and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. We're not done yet. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and who, who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, in Isaac, your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the, each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because saw, they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the, the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son, the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to, to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the, enjoy the passing pleasure of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was unseen. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, so that, that he who destroyed the firstborn would not, would not touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea, as though they were passing through dry land, and the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. And by faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those, with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. Now, it's important to realize this is, that is, that is one of my favorite like chunks of scripture in the, in the Bible because we see what can be accomplished by faith. But we still have to wonder, why, why is faith important? Why, what is special about this faith? Um, another word that we can use, use in, uh, in exchange for faith is to trust or to trust in. Uh, it's, it's the same word there. It's to trust in something, right? So what is special about faith. What's, what's special about trust? Absolutely nothing. Bear with me. So I know that's, a, that's an interesting thing to say, but let me, let me answer it by this. So I have faith in a lot of things. I have faith that if I sit in that chair, it won't break. I have faith or trust that when I get in my car after, after the service, it's going to start. I have faith that the food that I eat won't kill me. And if you ask my family, I don't always eat the safest of foods. <laughs> um, I have faith that when I go to sleep, my wife won't kill me. <laughs> and I have faith that our youth group won't tie me up to a chair on Thursdays and stage a mutiny. That one's probably more reasonable. I should be concerned. 
I have faith in these things, but my faith alone, my trust in these things alone, does not have that deep of an impact on my life. You can trust many things. I, I do trust in many things, but they don't change my life. So what's different? What is, what is different about this faith that we're called to in Scripture? Because trusting someone doesn't automatically change your, change your life. As I said before, I trust a lot of things and a lot of people, but it doesn't always impact me. So let me ask you another question. We all, we've all made promises to people. People people have made promises to us. What, what's so special about a promise? Well, it depends on the person, right? Depends on who makes the promise. A promise made by an unreliable person, a person that doesn't care about you, a person that isn't somebody that you can really rely on, doesn't mean much. If somebody that is untrustworthy and they make me a promise, probably not going to put a lot of stock in that. I'm not going to base my day off that. I'm not going to base my life off that. But if somebody makes a promise to me, and I know that they're, they're a trustworthy person, somebody that cares for me deeply, somebody that has my best interest at heart, I might put a little more stock in that promise, right? It's not the promise of itself that has the power. It's the promise keeper. In the same way, it's not trust in itself that's powerful. You can have faith in all kinds of things. I have faith that when I, ex- when, when, when I breathe in, that I'm, I'm going to breathe in a majority of oxygen, and it will keep me going. Now, if, if that didn't happen, it would change my life because I would not have a life, but like, you get my point. It's, it's not the word itself. It's not the act itself that is the thing that changes your life. It's what we put our faith in. It's what we, what we put our trust in. The, a promise is only as solid as the person that made the promise. Lucky for us, the promise, the promise maker is also a promise keeper. The one that we put our faith in, well, let's, let's, let's talk about him. Let's, let's see what Scripture has to say about our Heavenly Father that we, that we trust and that we put our faith in. Because again, faith in of itself means nothing. But when you put it in, in someone that we're about to talk about, it changes everything. So I'm going to start again with John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but eternal life. So he's loving. Okay. Second Peter 3:9 says, the, lo- the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So he's a patient God. James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the, of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Okay, so he's a, he's, a, he's a good Father who gives good gifts, and he never changes. Okay. John chapter 4, verses 24. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. Psalm chapter 18, verse 30. And as for God... His way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. So not only is he perfect, but he's, a, he's our protector. Psalm 116, chapter 116, verse 5. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. He's gracious. He's righteous. He's full of compassion. Exodus chapter 34, 6 through 7. Then the Lord passed in front of him, him being Moses, and proclaimed. This is actually the first time in the scripture that we, we 
see attributes or characters of God uh, in, in the word. The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgressions, and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity uh, of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. So let's recap what the scripture, the scripture says about our Heavenly Father. He is loving. He is patient. He's a good father who gives good gifts. He is spirit. He is perfect. He is merciful. He is righteous. He is forgiving. He is just. He is compassionate. He is gracious. He's slow to anger. Let's talk about some more things that he is. He's a father who will never leave you nor forsake you. He leaves the 99 to find the one and celebrates when he finds it. He makes a way for us to be reconciled to him. He's a father that was willing to give everything so we could be a part of his family. He's a father that wishes for none to perish. This is what makes our faith powerful. This is where this life-changing faith comes from. It's not the act of faith alone. It's the fact that we have faith in a God that never changes. The fact that we have faith in a, in a father that has given everything so we could be a part of his family. It's faith that we've put in someone that loves you more than you could ever imagine or understand. That's where this comes from. Trust in and of itself doesn't mean anything. I trust all kinds of people and I'm let down quite often, but I'm never let down by him. Life is hard, we know that, but through faith, we can, we can get through this. The funny thing is, this, um, this sermon that I'm currently talking to you guys regarding, um, this, this comes from um, something that I'm building for the youth right now, for, to preach at the lock-in. Um, I, I started out by asking this question, and maybe you guys have the answer. Why do we... Why do we like fairy tales? Why do we like superhero movies? Why do we enjoy things like that? You know, we, we, there's that battle of good and evil and all of this, but there, there's a specific reason why we can stand to watch those things. Do, do you guys know? It's because we know how it ends. We know that good prevails. That's what makes us excited to watch those things. I'm sorry, but if, if every movie that I watched, the villain won, I'd be pretty depressed. I'd be like, man... That sucks. <laughs> like, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to the movie, movie theater and go, you know what, Thor is definitely going to die today. Like, I, that's, that's not what, that, that's not why we go see those things. We know, we know how the story is going to end. Maybe not exactly what it's going to look like, but we know that it's going to end. In the same way, we know how this story ends. We know that even though we are, we are going through it, we know that the one that we have faith in, he's already won the war. We might have to run this race. He's already won the war. We aren't, we aren't fighting a war. Like, yes, we battle, we battle our flesh and our spirit and all of that, but like, we can take great hope because he's already won. It's all, he's already done the hardest part. 
Now we just have to run the race. We don't even have to win the race. We just have to run it. I don't, I, I've, I've never run a marathon, but I've talked to people that have. Um, the goal isn't really to win the marathon. It's to finish. Because you get a nice, nice little medal at the end if you finish. It's pretty cool. We're running a marathon. We're running a race. And we're running it by faith. And we're just trying to get the end of it. There's no winners in this. I, like, Paul obviously got to the finish line before all of us, but that doesn't mean that Paul's like, hi, I beat you. That's, that's not what it is. We're all running this race, and we're just trying to finish it. But we can take great joy in the fact that we don't have to win the war. It's already been won. He already, he already defeated it, hell, death, and the grave. We don't have to worry about that because we couldn't do it if we, if we tried. So obviously that is what makes our faith powerful. It's not the act of having a faith, but the act of having a faith in someone that is loving, that is kind, that is righteous. We are saved by grace through faith, but it's because, it's because our faith or our trust is rooted in the one who has made a way for us to be saved. The power comes from the one that we put our trust in. I can have faith in many things, but my life doesn't change until I put my faith in the one who brings forth a new life. For I was once dead, and now I'm alive. So why is faith important? Why is faith in God important? Well, great question. Talking to myself over here. Um, Well, it is by grace we are saved through faith, as Ephesians tells us. So it's the power in which we are saved. It's also the only way to please God, as Hebrews would tell us. Hebrews 11, specifically, if you want to look that up. What does it accomplish? Well, as we read in Hebrews, there is a long list of people that accomplish great things for the glory of God by faith. So through our faith, we can be led by the Spirit and bring glory to the one that brought us new life. And it brings us through sanctification. And we are led by faith, not by sight, as 2 Corinthians 5, 7 would, would tell us. Here's an interesting question. You know, when I was, when I was writing this, I, was, I, I like to ask these questions because I, I feel like they may be questions that people have. So I try to sit and think about what are questions that people may have. Uh, and this is an interesting one. Can I be a Christian without faith? Not only can someone not be a Christian without faith, but Scripture tells us if our faith is not a faith with feet, then it's dead. Of course, it doesn't say those exact words. I'm taking a little bit from... Uh, from Nathan, you know, faith with feet. It's a, it's a pretty, good, pretty good phrase. Scripture actually puts it this way. Faith without works is dead. Let's talk about that for a moment. So we've talked about faith and why it's important. We've also talked about the fact that the, the faith, the power of faith comes from what you have faith and what you put your faith in. So it seems as if if we put our faith in our loving Father that has given us new life, if we put our faith in Him, there's something we're called to after that. It's not a you just every day you wake and go, I'm going I'm to trust Him again. That's 100% something that we need to do. We have to make that decision every single day, every moment that we're going to continue to trust Him because I've been there. If it's not a conscious decision, you will screw up because that's what we do. Um, it's the doctrine of man, as, as Jay talked about this morning. By the way, you guys should totally go back and listen or, and watch the 930 devotionals on YouTube. Our deacons in training, they do an amazing job every single time. Jay Sims did one today. It was f- fantastic. 
I urge you to go listen to it because it really breaks down who we are and, and what, why we struggle the way that we struggle. Anyway, we are called to have faith with works. And of course, we're not saved by these works. We know that. But faith without works is dead. So we're called to something. If we trust in our Heavenly Father, we are called to react a certain way. Honestly, it's almost impossible. If you truly trust him, he flows from you. I think it's Galatians 2.20 that says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God alone. That's my wife's favorite scripture, so I, if I didn't get that right, she's going to yell at me when I get home. <laughs> um, when we put our faith in this Heavenly Father, we are able to be led by Him. We are able to bring Him glory. We're able to hopefully not fall into the trap of sin as often as we do. Scripture also tells us in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, that faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains. It actually says this exact thing. He replied, because you, you, you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if, I ha- if, I, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. That's such an interesting scripture. Um, one, why do I need to move mountains? Like, I don't even like digging. I don't want to move a whole mountain. I'm not, like, uh, not, I'm not about it. Obviously, we're not supposed to take this literally. Um, I mean, if you have need to move a mountain, I mean, 100% the Lord could do that. But the disciples weren't rearranging landscapes, like, just, just for fun. Like, they were just like, I don't like that mountain there. Lord, you, you messed up. You shouldn't have put it there. We're going to put it over there. That's, that's not what was happening. Faith is such a, so, so vital to the Christian life that Scripture tells us without it, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11.6. Yet faith is such a powerful gift from God. Christ told his disciples that with just a tiny measure of it, the size of a mustard seed, I wish I had a mustard seed like, to show you, but it is, it is the smallest. It's, it's crazy. The size of a mustard seed, they could move mountains. So what does it mean to have mustard seed faith? This scripture is not meant to tear us down. A lot of people look at this scripture and go, oh, like, if faith of size of mustard seeds can move mountains, I must suck. I, don't have, I, I, I have even less faith in that. That's just not what this is for. Let me explain. This scripture is not meant to tear us down and make us doubt the faith that we do have. But instead, it's a reminder of what, what, what such a small amount of faith or trust in our Heavenly Father can accomplish. The mustard seed is the smallest seed in the Middle East, but it grows a large tree. In the same way with just a little faith, God can lead us to accomplish mighty things for his kingdom. Just like the small faith of the 12 disciples turned our world completely upside down. It's also important to remember, faith does not, does not always deliver us from adverse circumstances. I think it's very easy as believers to, and we hear this a lot, these are common teachings that, if you're going through something awful or you've got a relative that's sick or things aren't going well in your life, that you just don't have enough faith. That is a load of crap. It is a load of crap. Let me give you some examples to back that up. Faith did not keep Daniel from the den, from the den of lions, but it did sustain him in the den, that they did not harm him. Faith did not keep Daniel's friends, Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego, from the fiery furnace, 
but it preserved them in the furnace. I will not escape the walk in the valley of the shadow of death, but he will be with me when I must take that journey. Faith does not guarantee that we do not have hardships, that we do not struggle, that people won't get sick, and that we won't lose family. But it does promise that he'll be there with us. And we can take joy in that because we know the one who's made that promise. We know the one that we've put our faith in, that he is a promise keeper, that he is loving, that he's our protector. Now, I'll tell you what, this sermon is not just for you guys, it's for me. I have not had the best of weeks. Um, Life is difficult. You run into a lot of things. And it's a good reminder that regardless of what's going on in our lives, we serve and we put our faith in a Father that provides for us. He meets our needs. He protects us. He guides us. That doesn't mean that we don't, we don't, (laughs) I, I called Mark yesterday and we were laughing about how dumb, she, like, how dumb we are. Like, we're, we're a bunch of dumb sheeps that, like, we run off from the Lord. From the, we run off from the shepherd because that's what we do. Uh, that example of the shepherd leaving the 99 to find the one, it's the parable where the sheep is lost in the wilderness. Um, Dwayne Adams brought even more light into that when he preached last week, a few weeks ago. I don't, I don't even know. Um, that lost in the wilderness there, it's not just you're lost in the trees of Amelia, Ohio. It's you're in danger. You are lost and you are in danger. So as dumb, the dumb sheep that we are that continue to run from the shepherd that's like, no, come back. Like, I'm, you're in danger. I'm trying to save you. We serve a heavenly father that continues to chase after us. We serve a shepherd that says, um, I've gone 500 miles to try to, to, to catch that sheep, but I'll keep going. Now, you have a choice. You can continue to run. You can continue to hide. You can continue to forsake God, but he won't leave you. He won't forsake you. He'll keep chasing after you until it's too late. One day, you might run off a cliff, and then it's too late, but he'll keep going deeper and deeper into the wilderness to try to find you. That's the God That's the father that we put our faith in. God doesn't promise easy times, but he promises he will be there in the hard times. He doesn't promise no storms, but he promises to go through the storm with us. We can take great peace, for as scripture tells us in John chapter 16, this is Jesus speaking, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, how many of you guys have tribulation in this world? Some of you guys don't know what tribulation is. All oh, you have tribulation in this world, <laughs> I promise. In the world you have tribulation, that's all of us. But take courage. Why? Why should I take courage? Because I have overcome the world. The one that we serve, the one that we put our faith in, he's overcome this world. And if the one that we put our faith in has overcome this world, we will overcome this world. Let us also understand that if we seek to trust him more, if we seek to have more faith, <laughs> we need only to seek him more. For the more we know of his love for us and the works he has done, the more we can come to know him and trust in him. I urge you to continue to read his word 
As Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Learn about the one who, put our faith, who, who we put our faith in. Set a time aside to be diligent in, your, diligent in your praying. Seek him, because the wonderful thing is, when you seek him, you will find him. I make this joke all the time that God is not playing hide-and-go-seek with you. It's not this, like, game of peekaboo where he's, like, locked in a closet and he's just like, ah, they might find me one day. That's not what's happening. He's right behind you. You just have to seek him. You have to desire to want to be a part of his family. You know, I, don't, I, I grew up on a farm, and I've wrestled many of animals, the hardest one being a pig, if you're curious, because they're a crazy animal. Um, <laughs> I, I, it was funny, kind of a side story. We had this, um, we were taking this pig to the slaughter, and it got out of the, out of the gated area. So, like, I was a teenage boy, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to jump on it. It was a terrible idea. <laughs> it was a terrible idea. Um, that, that pig stepped on my leg out of bruise for months. But we are that. We, we run away. And it's not until we stop running that we can truly have a relationship with, with, our, with our Lord, with our Father. Now, he'll keep chasing you. But that's not much of a relationship. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I'll, this is for the husbands. When, you're, when you were chasing your wife, trying to convince her to go on a date with you, to marry you, wasn't much of a relationship. You're just like, hey, like, I'm not as bad as I look. Like, <laughs> trust me, like, I'm, I'm funny. Like, yeah, I've got a good personality. When, when we're doing that, that's not, that's not really a great relationship. But the moment where my wife, I'll speak for my wife, the moment when we truly started talking, the moment when, we, when she gave me a chance, that's when it started. The moment when she turned around and said, okay, maybe you're not as crazy as I think you are. And, that, and, and that's what starts this beautiful relationship. In the same way, stop running. Stop and turn around. He's not playing hide and seek with you. Scripture tells us, if you seek him, you will find him. He wishes for none to perish. He wants you to know him like he knows you. Because he knows you better than you know yourself. So in closing, we can take courage. We can have joy. And we can have peace. Not just because we believe in something, but because we believe, trust, and put our faith in the one who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Part of that was Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. I'm not going to take credit for the Lord's words there. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that you are loving, that you are kind, that you are merciful. We thank you that you leave the 90, 99 to find the one, and that you continue to seek us, even though we're ridiculously stubborn. Lord, I ask that if there are hearts in here that do not know you, that they come to know you better than they ever have. I pray that you give us a hunger to seek you. And as we seek you, I pray that we, are, we have more faith in you. Father, I pray for this body that we have the hunger to seek you and to bring you glory in everything that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.